This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Praise the Lord, everybody. Is anyone glad they've been in the house of the Lord today? If you're glad watching online, won't you type it in the comments? If you're glad to be joining us here at CLC, we welcome everybody watching online. How many people are ready to receive the word today, to receive the word? Amen, amen. We're going to go straight into this um, message. We're continuing our, our sermon series. I'm Pastor Kevin, by the way. Um, I'm not Pastor Tom, if you didn't notice. Um, but I do want to uh, let you know, Pastor Tom is at our Sunrise Campus. Today is our Sunrise Campus' anniversary Sunday. So can we just give God praise for what he's doing with our Sunrise Campus? Um, we, do, we are one house, many rooms. So although we are here in this room, God is still moving in some of the other rooms. But Pastor Tom sends his greetings. He's right down the street. He's ministering at the Sunrise Campus um, just to be able to just honor what God is doing across all campuses and specifically at the Sunrise Campus and just to kind of be present with them there. Um, also, just to kind of get us started, I do, in light of that, just want to take time just to show appreciation and honor to our pastors and leaders. Um, we just came from this. Let me just talk about our leaders real fast. Like these Mannings <laughs> are like superheroes. Just <laughs> we just had how many people was at the all night prayer this past week? <laughs> yeah, right. I have blisters on my toes and I'm tired and sleepy, and they just ready to go. Pastor Thomas, I'm going to get all four corners, and Pastor Kenny's getting all the stations, and then we're about to have a break. She said, "No break. We're just going to keep going." It's like, are you human? <laughs> but um, nights like those, you guys know, we had that all-night prayer. just an opportunity just to be able to pray through different hours of the night and just to be able to intercede with different nations of what God is even doing here at our church. But how many people know that that night was not in vain? That those prayers, that God's heard those prayers, and we will see the harvest of those prayers. I firmly believe that that we'll see the harvest of those prayers, prodigals coming back to know Jesus, um, God blessing us in our finances, blessing us in our next-gen ministry, in our youth and young adults ministry. Shout out to Vibe, young adults ministry. Young adults ministry, right? And God moving in our worship ministry and every aspect of our church that there's something about being in prayer on behalf of these things that really does sets the tone and sets the temperature. And I tell you what, you want to know who the real Christians are? See who comes to prayer. You could do like, you know, super special services with extra lights and cameras and giveaways. But when, if you want to know who the real believers are, call a prayer meeting. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> not, to, not, to, not to be condemning towards anyone and everyone's on a, on a journey, but the whole thought is, is that we have to be a people of prayer, myself included. Prayer in the life of the believer is like oxygen in our lungs. Prayer in the life of, believe, of a believer is like oxygen in our lungs. We're not really breathing in the spirit if we're not praying. So we have to be praying, every person, whether you are young in the faith or hopefully if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you come to know Jesus in this service, I, I implore you, I encourage you to pray, to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So I'm saying that to say, I just want to give honor to our pastors to constantly leading the way to not just have <laughs> regular types of things we're comfortable with, but pushing us out of our comfort zone to experience God in a powerful way. So can we give it up for our pastors, Pastor Tom and Pastor Candy, for their leadership as they're guiding us uh, throughout, these, throughout, throughout these seasons. So I'm going to get straight into it. So in February, on February 25th in 2019, it was a Monday night. There was about 9.5 seconds left, I think, something like that. And the Los Angeles Clippers were playing against the Dallas Mavericks. So the weird thing is, is that the Clippers actually had the lead by like maybe nine points or so. And the, the Clippers had the lead and they're on offense. But something happens that's very strange. Someone calls a timeout. But the, the weird thing is the timeout actually came from the Clippers' side. So people are confused. Why would, we, why would there be a timeout called if they're the ones that are in the lead? So everyone's confused. Everyone's looking around. Then what happens, which is something completely legendary, 
the Los Angeles Clippers head coach, Doc Rivers, he's up at the score, the, the score table and he grabs the microphone. If those of you remember this moment, it was a very powerful moment. And then he, he grabs the microphone, they're looking at him, and he points to Dirk Nowinski and he says, Dirk Nowinski, let's go, let's go, let's go. Then everybody stands to their feet Everyone puts their hands together and they're clapping and they're clapping. And the thing that was significant about this moment was this actually probably could have been what was going to possibly be Dirk Nowinski's last time playing in the Staples Center because he was talking about retirement. Doc Rivers, who is not Dirk Nowinski's head coach, recognizes that this is his last potential moment of playing in the Staples Center grabs the microphone in the middle of the game, even though they have the lead, so he sacrifices a timeout. And he says, Dirk Nowinski, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Then everybody starts clapping. You should see it. Everyone's clapping. They're screaming, and they're just giving him a shot. And if you know Dirk Nowinski, he doesn't really like the attention. He looks uncomfortable. But in this specific moment, what Doc Rivers wanted to do was show honor. Because Dirk Nowinski is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I didn't say he is the greatest. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And if he was going to be spending his last game, or this, this could be his last time playing in the Staples Center, Doc Rivers wanted to ensure that he shows honor to one of the greatest of our time, which is Dirk Nowinski. So I just want to say something. There's something about honor that just gives me chills. Touch your neighbor say, it's the honor for me. Touch your other neighbor say, it's the honor for me. Now, I'm just out of show of curiosity. Do you want to see that moment? Anybody interested in seeing that moment? Show of hands. You want to see what I'm talking about? I know you don't watch basketball, but those of you watching online, we can't show it so that our live stream doesn't get flagged, but they're going to give you a link that you could be able to watch it. We're trying to do things in order so we don't get canceled out here. Um, but everybody else that's in the building, point your attention to the screens. It's the honor for me. Touch your neighbor, say, it's the honor for me. Touch your other neighbor, say, it's the honor for me. There's just something about showing honor. We're gonna talk about that today. Those of you who are watching online and in the building, you can pull your CLC app. We're gonna be talking about honor. We're gonna be talking about honor. Someone say honor. And the real heart behind this, this sermon today, which we will have time to get to, um, we really want to spend time not just only referring to the, the predictable honors, which has to do with honoring authority figures and leaders, but there's another honor that we overlook, which is to honor across and to honor down. But what's powerful about that moment is Doc Rivers is not seeking to be honored, but he's extending honor to an opposite team member. That's huge. Some of us struggle to even show honor to people on our team. And this is, a, this is a convicting message, so if it's quiet, I'm fine because I'm preaching to myself. Because it's so hard to live this out. But some of us struggle to show honor to our own team members. Even in church. Let alone showing honor to an opposite team member. Man, Doc Rivers is one of the goats. <laughs> but we just thank God for that moment. At this time, if you have your Bibles, can you open and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17? We're going to be looking at a few scriptures, but we're going to look at these first two scriptures to get us started. First Peter chapter two, verse 17. 
and to show honor to the scriptures or to the God of the scriptures. I'm asking if we can stand to our feet in this holy moment here. And we stand to our feet if you can. Um, if you are unable to do so for any reasons, um, don't feel left out. But this is our opportunity to honor the Lord and to honor his word. How many people are thankful for the word of God? The word of God is true. We thank you for the holy scriptures. The scriptures are useful for correcting, for teaching, for training in righteousness. So that every man and woman is equipped for every good work. I'm thankful for the word of God. And his word is still true. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts to the bone and marrow, right? Exposing that which is invisible to bring it to the visible to address it. I'm thankful for God's word. So whenever we stand, it's to say, Lord, you could have left us just with the cross, but you also allowed the word to become flesh and had a follow-up with the word to follow in and in, in behind it to give us written instructions. How many people know everything we need is found in the word? Found in the word. I know we can Google everything, but there's something about finding true direction in the word of God. It hasn't changed. It's not great. It's clear. It gives us direction and guidance. Amen. First Peter chapter 2, 17, it says, honor. Everyone say honor. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Someone say honor. Then it says, honor the king. One more scripture. Open to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In just a moment, you'll be able uh, to be seated. I won't hold you too long. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. You can either use your electronic devices or physical Bible or follow along with us in the app. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and it reads this way. Amen. Yes. From the lips of infants. <laughs> Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind. Someone say kind. You know, kindness is not weakness. Someone say amen. It says, be kind. Someone say kind. To one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Sometimes we forget that we've been forgiven. But how many people are grateful today that you've been forgiven? I mean, seriously, if you're grateful, can you just take a few moments to just lift your hands to thank the Lord that you've been forgiven? You've been forgiven of your sins. God, we just thank you for forgiving us today. God, if you, you loved us and chose us while we were yet sinners, when we were not even thinking of you, you were thinking of us. God, we thank you for your patience towards us. We take forever to get it right sometimes and we still don't get it right, but you still forgive us. Father, we're just grateful in this moment for being the Christ, the God who forgives who forgives and forgives and shows mercy towards us. Great is your mercy towards us, your tender mercies towards us, Lord. So we as CLC, those who are first-time guests or watching online, we pause right now to say thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for making room for us at your table. Thank you for making room for us in your presence. God, some of us are wrestling with different challenges and different insecurities, and we've been wrestling it for a long time, but yet you still extend grace and mercy towards us. Father, we're grateful. We're just grateful in this moment, Lord. If we didn't have a chance to tell you, we say thank you now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. Not just the physical house, but the spiritual house, what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, we just take time to just tell you, God, we honor you. We honor you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And Father, there is none like you. And in this moment, we just tell you there is none like you. Just take a few more moments just to love on him, just to acknowledge him with your words. God, we just fill this room with worship. We fill this room with praise. God, we fill this room letting you know, Lord, we are nothing without you. We are lost without you. God, we have no hope without you. But because we have you, God, we have everything that we need. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look full in your wonderful face. The things of this world go strangely dim. 
in the light of your glory and grace, God, we just tell you now we thank you. Thank you for freeing us from depression, from freeing us from anxiety. And I thank you for those in the room who've been delivered from suicide. I thank you for those in the room, Lord God, who've been delivered from sickness. God, as we've been talking even this whole entire past week, many people have been afflicted with different pains throughout the pandemic, but we stand on the word that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Even when we're enduring through pain physically, our spirits are being renewed. So we thank you for what you're doing in the inner man, on the inside of us. We thank you, Lord. Even in a pandemic where there's tons of difficulties, we say thank you. We say thank you that you're still in control. You are sovereign, God. You're sovereign. You're sovereign. And, and because you're on the throne, we can continue to hope in you. We can continue to trust in you. We continue to depend on you. So God, in this moment, we say thank you. We love you, Lord. We, we, we honor you, Lord. And we thank you for your mercy towards us. So God, as we continue on in the service, may you know how grateful we are for your presence. How grateful we are for what you're doing in this house. God, help us not take it for granted. Not every church gets to experience you, but you've graced us to open our building and to encounter you. We say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just for a few more seconds. I know you, if you're tired, you can be seated. Feel free, but just think of it just a few longer. Just to show gratitude. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. He inhabits the praises of his people. We thank you today, God. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve. Worthy. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve. You deserve the praise. Worthy. Worthy is your name. Just sing that. Just sing. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve. You deserve. You deserve the praise. Come on, church, just sing worthy, 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 worthy. God, we honor you. We honor you, Lord. You deserve the praise. You deserve our time. You deserve our focus. Sing worthy, worthy is your name. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Sing, you deserve. You deserve the praise. Worthy is. Worthy is your name. Just sing it again. Just sing, worthy is, worthy is, worthy. He's worthy of your worship, church. Of the air you breathe, he's worthy of it. Sing, you deserve. You deserve. Just one more time. Can we just sing it just one more time? One more time. Sing, worthy. Sing, worthy is your name. We sing, worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve a few more seconds just lift your voice to thank just thank him if you want to put your hands together let's put our hands together we honor you as king we honor you as king lord we honor you as king you are the great i am the king of kings we honor you we honor, we honor you lord we honor you lord 
we honor you as king you are the great I am you are the great I am you are the great I am you are the author and finisher of our faith you are worthy to be praised you are worthy to be praised magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together let us exalt his name together the Lord is great and greatly to be praised he's greatly to be praised he's greatly to be praised where would we be without him where would we be without him We exalt you, Lord. We glorify your name. We magnify your name. Hallelujah. And we thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? You could do better than that. Someone shout amen. You could be seated. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. I have a very simple message that I'm going to talk to you about. I'll get through as quick as we can, but how many people know our God is worthy? He is worthy. He is God. He is king. He's in control. But we're in a series entitled Relationship Reset. Someone say reset. All right. You know, the funny thing is, uh, you guys know, hopefully if you don't know by now, um, I tend to use a lot of humor. It's not because I'm a comedian, um, but it's because I think it helps sometimes just to, to marinate on the word of the Lord. But one thing that was pretty funny just now that I was thinking about, I have compassion on the pastors. Usually the pastors would be like, hey, you could be seen, you've been standing up for a long time, but then they got to keep standing and preaching. So, it's, <laughs> you know, so I'm hoping that we could sign a petition to allow Pastor Tom to wear sneakers. He won't wear sneakers because you guys are going to email him and stop coming to church just because he's wearing sneakers. But if you just let him wear sneakers, because he'd be standing up here for like 65 minutes, like, <laughs> you know, but we started the series two weeks ago entitled Relationship Reset, and on week one, Pastor Tom kicked off the series, and he was talking about biblical friendships. It was a very powerful message, and he talked about this idea of, of the 12, the 3, and the 1, and how in life, God calls us not to do life alone, but to do life in community, to be in community with one another. I've heard someone say it this way, our relationships as people should reflect and resemble that of the, the, the biblical temple, where in the temple of God in the Old Testament, there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and the holies of holies. In the outer court, everybody there was welcome, the Gentiles were there allowed to be welcome, but then as you step into the inner court, not inner court, not everybody was welcome there, but then we get to the holies of holies is where they experience the holy presence of God. Our relationships should reflect that which of the temple. We have an outer court, we have an inner court, and we have a holies of holies. And that could be symbolic of the crowd being somewhat like, right? The crowd is somewhat like the outer court, meaning people you know or see or people that know you. The inner court could be that which is the 12, right? And then the, the holies of holies is that three and that one, that, that, that those, those that you hold close to. And Pastor Tom did a powerful job sharing how the reason we have these layers of friendships is because one person can't fulfill everything that we need. How many people know that we need a lot of support sometimes, amen? And he talked about journeying together. Week two, Pastor Tom then talked about the messiness of relationships. How many people know that relationships can be messy? Can be a little bit messy, right? Because we're imperfect people trying to do this thing and sometimes we mess it up. But through those imperfections, we experience things like learning how to show forgiveness and how to bear one another and dealing with this whole cancel culture, right? People, as soon as there's difficulties and, dis and misunderstandings, automatically we quick to cancel one another, which we don't have time to break that down. But sometimes we've got to cancel cancel culture to learn how to endure in conflict with one another. Amen. I know that not many people agree with that. We're just going to keep it going. But today we're going to talk about honor. So I want to start us off by talking about what is honor? What is honor? So there's, a, there's the, the Hebrew definition of honor. It talks about this idea of reverence or to revere or to venerate or to regard with great respect. 
It implies a, holi- uh, uh, a holding as holy or, or sacred because of a character or association or some kind of admiration. Or another Hebrew translation says to glory or to promote or to elevate another status or to give prestige to other people. Pastor Nadine um, read this commentary and it shared that there's another way that we define Hebrew or uh, the Hebrew word for honor is to give regard or to give due weight, meaning a heavy regard to something or someone. The dictionary definition when talking about honor talks about fulfilling an agreement. <laughs> this, is a, this is a convicting message, I'm telling you. Fulfilling an agreement. If we're going to be demonstrating honor, we have to fulfill our agreements. The word of God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And it continues and it says, Everything less than, anything less than that is from the devil himself. But if we're calling ourselves believers, it is important, excuse me, it is important that we fulfill our agreements. Then a dictionary definition also talks about saluting with a bow, where someone greater sometimes may bless someone who's in a lesser status. It talks about how honor elevates, puts something down in order to lift something up. So when we're looking to honor one another, it requires that we put something down to lift something up. A question I have for you is, or for all of us, Whenever it is that we're looking to honor, if one of the definitions is to put something down to lift something up, so what are we putting down whenever it is that we choose to honor? Sometimes it's being right. Because I'm learning that if I win every argument, I might actually lose all my friendships. So being right sometimes, you got to put that down for the sake of honor. I got to put down my pride. How many people know sometimes we could be very prideful? I, well, I preach to myself. Remember, I'm not preaching to you. I can be very prideful sometimes. But honor allows me to put that pride down for the purpose of understanding. Amen? Another thing that we put down, which is a tough one for some people because we work hard, and that is our credentials and our accolades. Some of us have our master's degree, our doctor's degree, and different certifications, and How many people know that sometimes those credentials and accolades have to be put down sometimes to honor people? Amen? If you have children and you've let your children down, I don't think they care that if you have a doctorate's degree. They're not really talking to doctor mom or doctor dad. They're just talking to mom and dad, right? It's humbling humbling those things to be able to minister to your kids through something that maybe you've done wrong. Amen? But we're putting something down in order to lift something up. I remember, I want to give a shout out to our team. Um, maybe Many of you may not know, but it's a lot that comes to putting this service together. Um, we have a, our production team, our music team, and our communications team. But can we just give it up for our worship team, Pastor Charles and Toby and all the, that goes into that. If we can give it up for our camera team as well, our production team, just day in, day out. You know, it is a lot that they do to kind of put this together. And definitely our communications team. Can we give it up for our communications team? There's graphics and, and, this, and colors and tones and fonts and stuff. Apps. Those of you who watch online, that's that part where you're like, hey, I'm looking at the wrong service. Or, hey, what, this is the wrong graphic. So it takes a lot of work to put this together. But we just give a shout out to all the communications. Amber, Bradley, and Connor, and... You know, and um, Pastor Christian's helping us with that team as well. But I share that to say this. We've been blessed with a great team, and these people are talented. They always humble me. This past week, we had an opportunity to pray with all of our campuses, with our, our worship team and production team. But I actually made a mistake, and I forgot to communicate to our production team. The music team knew it, but I forgot the other two teams, right? So uh, Flavia, who's back there somewhere, you guys know Flavia, uh, she says, hey, Rev, they call me Rev here. Rev, uh, is there something happening Thursday? Usually she asks a question like that to help me to see that I didn't say it. Um, I'm like, oh, man, you didn't know about the... <laughs> She's like, well, we had no clue about it. And to be honest, sometimes as leaders, we could do this. 
we know we're wrong and we try to bend this situation a little bit. So I was, I was feeling tempted in my pride to say, well, you guys should have checked with Toby. How did you not know? I mean, you, 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 that's your fiance. You didn't ask him? Don't y'all talk about this stuff? And then um, the Holy Spirit convicted me. He's like, okay, hey, humble yourself. And I say, hey, I'm sorry, my bad. That's on me. <laughs> right? And she didn't even respond back afterwards. She just left it like that, you know, but it was my fault. But the point is, is that there's always an opportunity to learn how to honor. And whenever it is that you're doing so, it will always cost you to let go of something. Sometimes it's titles, sometimes it's positions. It's for the purpose of glorifying God through the honor. Um, Danny Silk says, honor is a way to connect to the glory that God deposited into earthen vessels. Meaning, all of us has been cre- have been created in the image of God. So there's something about, something like God in us whether we're living up to that standard or not. So whenever it is that we're showing honor to one another, sometimes it's not about the person, which we'll talk about in a second here, but it's about the fact that there's, they're created in God's image and want to give honor to that, amen? That same author says something very challenging. He says, honor is most tested in disagreements. Whew, that's true. Honor is most tested in disagreements. But hand in hand with honor is this other word. This beginning piece is the longest piece. Once we get to the points, we'll go fast, I promise. Right? And I mean, Pastor Nadine and I always say, we never have time, right, Pastor Nadine? Change the clock. But it's all right. If I didn't do the long intro, then we would have had time, right? That's you doing the long worship thing. But some of you thinking that. I know you're thinking that. <laughs> Hand in hand with honor is this word called loyalty. I want to just make sure we break down the definitions so that we get to the points we know what we're referring to. Loyalty, when defined according to scripture, is this idea of cleaving to. I like what this one uh, commentary says. It says, loyal, to be loyal, it talks about this idea of wholeness and being undivided or being wholly centered on something. When I think about Uh, this idea of being wholly centered on something reminds me of the other word integrity, which comes from the root word integer, which integer, as we know in math, is just pretty much a whole number. The powerful thing about that is when we're walking in integrity, what it means is that we're being the same person everywhere. So if I'm with you and I'm talking with you in a conversation, I'm one person. If once you turn around and turn your back and move forward, I change what I'm saying about you because you're not listening. I'm not walking as a whole person. Now I'm walking as a hypocrite. I'm not walking in integrity. Why is this important with honor? Because something happens when we're not walking in integrity and actually walking in loyalty, we can move forward into what we would call dishonor or disloyalty. Psalm 78, 57 says, but turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside alike, uh, aside like a deceitful bow. Disloyalty is bred when one is internally not at peace with something or someone. But what I've learned is that sometimes we might not understand or have moments of frustrations with others, but it's how we navigate through those moments that gives us an opportunity to grow in our loyalty and honor towards one another, amen? Another translation of disloyalty is this word that says traitorous or betray or treacherous or unfaithful. God would often use this word when he's referring to the disloyalty of the children of Israel because in one moment they would call him God and confess their loyalty to him, but in other moments they'd worship other gods. Disloyalty, dishonoring their covenant with him. And he would say, you treacherous people. And I I wish I had time to unpack. There's even passages of scripture where the Lord will go into a far rebuke of the people of God because they were disloyal and they were dishonoring. We have to search our hearts to allow the Lord to search if there's any disloyalty within us. This sermon, I'm telling you, when I was preparing, I said, Lord, forgive me for any disloyalty. Forgive me for any dishonor, because if you're anything like me, I may not be dishonoring with what I say, but woo, my thoughts. Right? 
And my wife helps me with this pretty often. Sometimes I'll have a tendency of saying, I'm not yelling. But how many people know that volume is not always necessarily saying that you're doing anything to help the situation? But you can still say something to cause things to be completely worse. Amen? Romans 12, verse 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All right, here's why we honor. I want to talk a little bit now why we honor. There's a pastor at this church called the Union Church. He says something about honor that I love. He says, honor keeps us in a place of humility. It keeps us in a place of giving away the credit so we don't take the credit. It keeps us in the face of God. Honor ultimately in the kingdom is about my spirit coming into agreement with God's choice. I receive the anointing of what I've honored. Psalm 133 talks about unity. It says that how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters gather together in unity. It's like the anointing dripping down Aaron's beard. So when I come into a honor posture, I also come into a receiving posture of the anointing of God. That's kind of deep. I hope you're tracking with me. So that means that that same anointing that's dripping down from the leadership, it then pours into my life because I'm walking in honor. Now, this whole entire sermon is not meant to be only on the honor that goes up, and that was Pastor Tom's heart. He didn't want this to just be about how we honor up, because you hear that a lot. But I want to talk about that just a little bit, because I do believe we're in a generation that has lost sight of what it means to show honor up. I told you, I mean, no one's going to say amen. We don't know how to honor up now. Everybody's your homeboy, homegirl. Jesus is my homeboy. I mean, I've seen, you know, I'm, let, me vent, let me go on a rant a little bit. I hate when people call Pastor Tom, Tom and Candy. I hate it. It's, like, it's just a title. It's not just a title. God gave them that position for a reason to be that leadership and covering over. They're not my homeboy and homegirl. I'm going to say Pastor Tom, Pastor Candy. I even call him Doc, Reverend Doctor. Right? And I know that makes people mad. We have relationships. Can't I just not use a title? I get that. Everyone has different layers of it. I'm just saying how I see it. The reason why I call them pastor is so that I just continue honoring them. Because we live in a generation where familiarity just destroys any form of honor. Because what happens is, what I've learned, what I've learned is, people will often say, no, no, you're just using your title. You're, now your title is getting to you. But they will use that in order to form a familiar relationship so they can disrespect your position. No one's going to say amen. And I've learned that the hard way. I, I tried to be the cool Rev Kev, Rev Kev, Rev Kev, until I become, start getting disrespected and experience disloyalty and experience dishonor. You know, just call me Pastor Kevin. It's not that serious. So we live in a generation that wants to dumb things down in order to dishonor and discredit what God chooses. And I think that there's something about, I'm not saying that you're at home and you, 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 when you're hanging out with your friends, if they have leaders or, or positions and titles, I'm not telling you to call your friends doctors. I'm not saying that. Please don't take it out of context. But the point I'm saying is, is that we do live in a familiar society that wants everything familiar. But when you put everything familiar, you don't properly give honor where honor is due. And I know a title doesn't honor someone. I know that it's the person who makes the title. It's not the title itself. But I just think, think about it. Can you imagine your children saying, hey, what's up, you? <laughs> right? It's like, hey, you dad, mom, sir, ma'am, right? Can you imagine that if your name's Michael? Hey, Michael, can you give me the dishes? You know, call me Michael. Don't call me Michael. I'm your dad. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I know that sounds bad, but let's just get to the rest of the message. All right, here we go. Let's just breeze through these. Oh, here's what I want to just spend the rest of the time with in the last few moments. It's how do we honor? Someone say how. All right, here we go. This is how we honor. First of all, I just briefly talked on it, but I'll just say it one more time. Number one, we must honor up. Someone say honor up. 
Honor up. Up has to do with leadership, has to do with authority figures, has to do with um, parental figures. So it's parents, it's leaders, it's pastors. Any person that God is charging with the responsibility to administer leadership in your life. Now, granted, it's who God administers. God institutes these things to be put in place. But because people are imperfect, they misuse those titles sometimes and and, um, misuse those, those privileges sometimes. And it causes for there to be tension with you respecting and wanting to honor them. Amen. Whatever it is that we do choose to honor, what it is sometimes, our key point here is we have to learn how to honor the position, even if it's hard to honor the person. Because when I honor a position, what I'm saying is I'm honoring the fact that God has put this in place for a reason that's supposed to help me. I may not be able to honor your character, but I'm honoring the position that God has given you. Now, you're going to have to answer to the Lord on how you're choosing to use that role But I'm honoring this position if there's moments where you can't honor the person because of how they're living. Sometimes people have tough leadership. They have tough parents. They have tough situations that puts them in a place where there's tension. And sometimes showing honor can put you in a place of compromise. So whenever it is that you're choosing to pray for that parent that perhaps is hard to love or choosing to pray for that boss that sometimes run you into the ground, right? Lord forbid, maybe you got to find another job. Maybe, I don't know. But when you're in those situations that are tough, You take a position of prayer and seeing how you can still honor the position, even when it's hard to honor the person. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 7 through 11. This is the relationship between David and Saul. David gives us a biblical example of him honoring up when he didn't have to. And this is as real as it gets. 1 Samuel chapter 26 and verse 7, and it reads this way. So David and Abishai came to came to the people by night, and there saw laying, lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once. Ooh, I love that dude, Abishai. You need an Abishai in your life. that just be ready to kill people. Look, I know you the godly one, but I'll kill him if you need me to. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? That, that's Arnold. <laughs> I'm just I'm playing. I'm just kidding. But, um, but David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him. Because how many people know that vengeance belongs to the Lord? Amen. And he knows how to do it way better than us. Or his day shall come to die or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch my hand out against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that that are by his head and let us go. And this is this is tough because David, because Saul was there trying to kill David. That's why Abishai was like, bro, this is the moment. This is it right here. (laughs) This is the moment right here. And David says, you got to imagine, it, it reads so quickly, but I'm pretty sure it was a tough moment for David because it would have been an easy moment. And here's what was deeper about this moment. Killing Saul right away would have accelerated him into his position of honor, into his next position of purpose, into his next pr- position of promotion, I'm not playing because he was going to be the next king. So if he's going to be the next king, that means there's a king in the way. So if he kills the king, he can be accelerated into being the next king. We do live in a society right now that if we're not careful, we can do whatever it takes to be promoted. But how many people know that God is the one who promotes? You know, God does it a different kind of way. You know one of the ways that God promotes you? Through pain. No one's going to say amen. Because I've learned sometimes he'll allow. I'm not saying he inflicts the pain. He allows the pain. He allows the betrayal. He allows the dishonor. He allows it to see how you'll navigate your heart through that. So I've, become to, I've come to learn that when pain comes, it's confirmation that God is getting ready to promote me. The pain becomes confirmation. 
Scripture says, think it not strange when you face trials of many sorts. Here's the powerful thing about it. Even if I don't get promoted in a job, you know how I get promoted? Long-suffering, character, patience, endurance. That's what James talks about. So now as I endure through pain, I become more like him. So long before David got the kingship, God has already established himself in David. So I don't need the position to affirm who I already am. Someone say amen. But David says, touch not God's anointing. I just think that's such a powerful example of honoring up when it's an opportunity for you to really just flex out there and just kind of take out the person that's trying to kill you. But he says, touch not God's anointing. Someone say honor up. All right, here we go. Next, number two, we must honor a cross. Everyone say a cross. And we don't talk about this enough because sometimes, like I said, this is what Pastor Tom's heart was for this particular sermon. Some, you hear the honor up all the time, but it makes it a little awkward because we overlook the responsibility that we have to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Meaning, as a pastor, I can't just expect you to honor me. I got to know how to honor you too. And I also got to take responsibility for the areas of my life that's not worth honoring. David says, search me, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me. And sometimes there is an offensive way in me that I got to repent to. And I know we don't honor for the sake of people, but man, if we could humble ourselves, we might make it a little easier for people. And sometimes as leaders, if we're not careful, we could be, we could be, we could be just flexing our pastor muscles. <laughs> and it just takes time for you to, it takes moments to humble ourselves to ensure that we are no better than the people that we're called to minister to. If anything, we need God just as much as you do, amen? That's why the scripture says, pray for your pastors. <laughs> pray for your leaders. But we must honor a cross. Here's a crazy quote I heard. Uh, this guy, Aaron Lindsay, said, I don't really trust people that only know how to honor up. If you don't honor down, you might just be a clout chaser. You got to be eerie of those people that just all they do is honor up. And I just love to do it. Just, just press the president. I just love Pastor Tom. I love Pastor Lee. Did you, it's just, ugh. They never honor a cross. They don't honor their life group members. They don't honor the church members. It's just, you know, it's, I love the pastors in this church. It's just, they even make me uncomfortable, to be honest. Pastor Tom said that this week, too. He's like, he just gets scared. He's like, why are you honoring me all the time? Like, but the point I'm saying is not that we don't honor up, but we got to also honor a cross. We have to honor a cross. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. How we speak about one another, how, how we, here's a tough one, how we text each other. Listen, y'all, Christians are the worst with text. I got cursed out in text messages so many times. Like, yo, man, just because you're texting don't mean it's not a sin. It's still a curse. You're still cussing me out. <laughs> but how we treat one another, how we communicate to one another is an opportunity that we have to show honor to one another. Yes, how we text one another. One of the things that my wife and I try and do is if it's a serious conversation that maybe is going to be a, a, a conflict, just pick up the phone and call them or see if you can meet in person with them. Because how many people know text messages? You know, there's a demon on the, in the text that, that just translates for you. You don't ever notice that, right? If somebody text messages you and says, how are you doing? You're like, oh, why they ask me that? What do you mean how I'm doing? And you go, I'm doing fine. And the person's like, why they respond? All caps? They're offended. Let me tell them, I was just trying to check on you. Just trying to, you see the just? Now you pitying me? Listen, I'm putting my boundaries up and you can't be pitying me. I'm in a new season of my life where I'm learning how to put boundaries in. New season? You ever notice that there's a, there's a demon in the text? It just be translating and mistranslating. I just learned to be like, look, I don't know what you mean by that. Can you just call me real fast? Let's just talk this out just in case. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like text messages? And 99.9% .9 of the time when someone's confronting me on a text message, it's like I didn't even know how, I didn't even know it said that. I really was just trying to see how you were doing. But it's the way you've asked. <laughs> Use all caps. <laughs> I'm still anyone know what I'm saying? It's true. It's true it's how we text one another, even how we receive those texts. Here's another biblical example in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and then we'll have one point left. 
So the band can get ready to, uh, to come in place. First Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. This is the relationship between David and Jonathan. An honor across example. It says in First Samuel chapter 18, after David had finished talking with Saul. This is after he killed Goliath. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. In number verse three, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Look at verse four. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. This is so good. Because Jonathan was, David, was Saul's son, meaning he technically was the next heir to the throne. So there's, if there was anybody that was supposed to be next in line to be king, it was Jonathan. But Jonathan saw the anointing on David's life. Yo, this is, this, Jonathan saw the anointing on David's life. Just like how Lucifer saw how great God was in heaven. Just like how Judas saw that Jesus was the Messiah. When you look at the difference between Jonathan and, G and, and Judas, they saw the greatness. One came, but the difference between the two is one chose to honor and the other one chose to dishonor and be disloyal. So what Jonathan does, this is after David just came out of the fields, the valley of Elah, where he just, he, he had the, the slingshot and, and, right, and, the, and the stone, and he, and he kills Goliath. He cuts off his head. He must be sweating from battle, and he wasn't even supposed to be at that battle. He was coming to bring his siblings food, if you remember. So he must have been tired. He must have had his shepherd's clothes on. And what does Jonathan do? Not be threatened by the anointing on his life. Not be intimidated by the victory that he just had. He chose to honor him by giving him his clothes. He gave him what he was wearing to say, I honor you. I honor you above my rightful position and privilege to the throne. I honor you. We have to learn how to model this in the church. We can't see each other's callings and potentials and be threatened and be intimidated and passively resisted just because it may not be happening in our lives. We got to come to a place where we're willing to show honor where honor is due, whether it benefits us or not. Or you may be in a position where you may be uh, perhaps further than someone else and showing honor to that person to give them a chance to step up as well actually gives glory to God. Can someone say amen? But we don't do that. We don't. Ah, man, this is so convicting. But how many people know we don't do that? When we see someone else that's being blessed in the area that we're wanting, we don't celebrate them. We say, God, what happened? Where, me? Where, where, where's mine? Now, granted, there is a place of true walking through uh, challenges with God as you're believing for God to do something that allows you to have moments of frustration and disappointment. That's not what I'm referring to. Because it's normal to walk through disappointments as a believer. But I'm talking about when we're envying one another. You see someone being blessed. You see someone advancing. You see someone being promoted. You see someone having uh, things that you're praying and believing for. And instead of supporting, you're com now you're competing against them. That's not pleasing to God, church. It doesn't please him. What the Lord was telling me as I was writing this is that... you. You can't pray in the spirit in other languages if you can't honor in English. You know what happens? And this is convicting. I'm telling you, it's really convicting me. It makes me not want to talk. We can't be contending for revival and dishonoring one another. You know what happens? God looks at that atmosphere and he says, no. What's, that's strange. <laughs> they're calling for fire and they're dishonoring each other. Wait, wait. They're watching people come on stage and be healed from the things they're believing for, and they're mad that they're, that person's being healed and not them, and they're praying for revival? You know what that causes? Spiritual dissonance. Spiritual dissonance is the opposite of spiritual agreement. When we're in the room praying for one thing, and just one person is not in agreement because they're mad that they don't have it for themselves. That's dishonor. 
That's dishonor. God calls us to honor one another, to show honor to you and to show honor to me. And sometimes doing so costs me my pride to lay myself down for the purpose of lifting you up because it's not about me anyways. Jonathan says, look, yeah, I might be the, I'm, maybe I'm supposed to be the next king by birth. But how many people know that God doesn't always follow the birth order? That's a word. Sometimes the birth order doesn't always line up with the kingdom order because if it was about the birth order, how many people know you and me would not have a choice or not have a chance of being used by God? But God sometimes will allow it to be a season where the old serves the young because he doesn't follow the birth order. It's what he has decided to plan in advance before the foundations of the earth. So Jonathan saw that and he says, instead of contending with what God's going to already do, I might as well partner with him. Here's my robe. Here's my cloak. Here's my sword. Put the slingshot down. I don't even know how that worked with Goliath, but hey, you need a sword, dog. <laughs> Take the sword. Honor. Touch your neighbor's or tell you, don't touch him, right? COVID. They, look at your neighbor and say, honor across. All right, online, just so you know, um, we're going to have to pass in a moment here because you got to get time. So just give me just a few more moments. But we'll keep going here. Honor across. Our key point here is honor your brothers and sisters as honoring the Lord. Whenever it is that we're choosing to honor one another, ultimately we're choosing to show honor to God. Amen? Even in a selfie, self-absorbed society, God still calls us to be peculiar people that would be willing to show honor to others more than we show honor to ourselves. Amen? That sounds like the all-night prayer bell. You remember the all-night prayer bell? <laughs> Yo, uh, somebody in one of our stations was like, um, that, that bell could wake somebody up from the dead. <laughs> but it was a very loud bell to keep us moving from station to station. Romans 12, 10, take delight in honoring each other. Another translation, New, Amer New American Standard Version says, give preference to one another in honor. We don't just honor up, but we also honor across. Last and certainly but not least, which is my favorite, not only do we honor up, not only do we honor across, but we gotta learn how to honor down. We gotta learn how to honor down. Maybe you're a supervisor in the room, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to ask you, when was the last time you showed appreciation to your staff? Not just what they do wrong, but like showing appreciation to your staff. Or, or maybe you're a parent. When was the last time you showed appreciation to your children? I know they're hard-headed, baby kids, but they, they, they're still creating the image of God. When was the last time you showed honor to your children. I don't know what that means for you in terms of who the relationship is and for honoring down. Maybe you have a little brother or a little sister. I don't know. When was the last time you showed that honor down? A biblical example, which is, it absolutely blows my mind, is the relationship between David and Mephibosheth. I don't have time to go into it, so I'll paraphrase it. So David made a covenant with Jonathan, and he told him that he will always show honor to his family and the generations that have come up after him. Now Saul is dead. Now Jonathan is dead, and David is now the king, and he remembers that covenant that was made with Jonathan. And he says, yo, are there any descendants left in Jonathan's family? And they said, yeah, there's, there's, still, there's still his son. He's crippled in both feet, but there's this son I can tell you about. Then David calls for the servant Ziba first, and Ziba comes forward, right? And then now he's like, hey, there's, there's, are there any children? So he's like, yeah, there's, there's Mephibosheth. So David tells Ziba, bring all your servants, bring your servants, bring everybody. And bring me Mephibosheth, because I've made a covenant with his father that I have to fulfill. David, he was a man after God's own heart, amen? And I was talking with Pastor Tom on this, and we felt like maybe what made him a man after God's own heart was his constant position of honor, constantly. But David now takes this time and he says, bring me Mephibosheth, crippled and all. Then what he does is he brings Mephibosheth to his table. And you can, you can see the scriptures. I won't read it, but just so you know the reference of it. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 9, if you want to write it down. And he tells him, from this day forward, you will always eat at my table. And there's something powerful about having someone sit at your table. And uh, one of our friends, Esther, we always talk about this because it's so powerful. When he puts him at the table, there's something powerful that happens. The people at the table don't recognize his crippled 
legs under the table. Unless they're looking on the, you know, some nosy, like looking on people's legs and stuff. But when he sits at the table, just like everyone else, he has the same honor that everybody at that table has. Why? Because David gave him a seat there. So when the king gives him a seat there, what he's saying is everybody around this table may not respect you or may not think you're qualified or may think because of your background or where you're from that you shouldn't be here but because I give you a seat. Everybody has to honor that. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cups runneth over. When the king gives Jonathan, or excuse me, Mephibosheth a seat at the table, yes, you might be crippled, but it's not about your crippledness. No, that's not a word. It's not about your condition. It's not about what's making you handicapped. Because what I'm willing to do is to humble myself, my position, and honor you to a position that people could respect. Honor down. So he shows that honor down to fulfill his covenant with Jonathan was not even here anymore but to fulfill that covenant he remembered Jonathan giving him the tunic some of you you forgot how you've been given a seat at the table and it's hard for you to honor down you forget that someone gave you a seat someone gave you a seat who's who who are you giving a seat to but David remembered He's like, had a slingshot and just killed this giant. He said, you know, I had shepherd's clothes. And this dude gave me his cloak. He said, yo, he, he took his cloak off. He took his cloak off and gave it to me. He gave me his sword. Just, that's his. He, he willingly gave me his position of being next in line. He willingly did it. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.